Hello and welcome to the eTalking podcast from Motion E, the place to go for insightful writing and inspiring audio from the world of electric motorsport and electric vehicles. I'm Stuart Garlick. The podcast took a break, but we're back with plenty of new people to hear from. On the website, motione.org, I wrote a long feature recently about Extreme E, the off-road electric series that's going to hit our screens in 2021. In the first of several interviews with people who contributed to that article, here is the conversation I had with Continental Tyres and Extreme E official test driver, TCR Scandinavia race winner and Red Bull junior driver, Michaela Arlen Kotelinski. Uh, a Swedish driver who is currently preparing for the August restart to the TCR Scandinavia season. That's the Scandinavian Touring Car Series for anyone who isn't aware. Uh, she's recently topped the testing times with her PWR racing team and uh, she stands a strong chance of kicking off with a win in August in the Seat there. We talk about Michaela's experiences with the Odyssey 21, which is Extreme E's uh, car, and about how she prepares mentally and physically for racing, and also about her newfound love for sim racing. We do also get into a bit of chatter about some of the more niche simulators it's possible to download. Uh, there may be a mention of Goat Simulator there as well. Apologies for that. Anyway, with no further ado, here is my chat with Michaela Arling Kotelinski, and good luck to Michaela in the restart of racing. So, um, let's talk first of all about uh, um, how how you've been involved with Extreme E, because uh, you you've been uh, testing the vehicle pretty much from the start, um, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. I. Uh... This whole journey actually started with a phone call from Continental's side. I, I've been working then with Continental Sweden for a year. I did an event together with the headquarters and then I got the call. Well, first I got the info about Extreme E, thinking that it sounded crazy, obviously, <laughs> but also really, really, really exciting. And then I got the call in question if I wanted to, um, to be part of Continental's team and uh, develop the tires with them. Um, and that that was of course a huge day and and a big opportunity from my side. However, the car wasn't ready then. So when we started to discuss, yeah, how to think about the tires and and all those things, the car wasn't there. So we had to wait half a year. So yeah, six months before we actually could drive the car for the first time. And and when people talk about the tyres, I, I think what they don't realise is uh, you, the, these are quite heavy-duty, high-technology tyres. I mean, uh, in Formula E, we obviously have the uh, so, so-called so road tyres. In, in fact, they're quite a bit more advanced than road tyres. But, uh, yeah. you know, Co- Continental have had to develop something entirely new just for Extreme E, haven't they? Well, uh, the good thing then uh, was that, I mean, they have a lot of knowledge and a lot of years behind them with developing 4x4 and off-road tires. So in the end, they had a lot of information that they could use for the Extreme E. And difficulty also when looking at Extreme is that it's going to be really different surfaces. It's going to be on sand. It's going to be gravel. It's going to be up in the mountains. It's going to be in the Amazonas. So it's really different surfaces and the tire needs to perform on all different surfaces. And therefore, when we did the first proper testing with the car in in France in mid-October something last year, we already then saw that the tire that we were using were working 
working well for being really the first time that we'd really tested a tire. So that was that was positive news. Um, the, the thing that I would have thought was uh, a challenge is that uh, your entire career up until that point had been based on track. So uh, yeah. how, how much of a challenge was it to get out there in what's basically a full-blown raid car um, on surfaces that you've probably never raced on before? No, I can say that I am really thankful that I've been driving so much on the ice because uh, driving this car is just like you say. It has basically nothing to do with, with circuit racing. Uh, in the end, the car is more like closer, of course, than to a rally car or a rallycross car. But in the end, I would say from my experience, because I did a few events of rallycross back in 2014. So from my experience, this is really something like ice driving. You have to work a lot with the load change of the car. Um, you really have to work with the pitch of the car as well. And I would say from my side, it took me about half a day before I really understood how to work with the car but once I understood it uh, it was a good a, really a great drive because it's a huge car but once you're in it and once you start to understand how to work with it you really feel like you are one with the car you know where you're placing the corners of the car and it has a fantastic driving feeling despite being as huge as it is. Yeah uh, huge and I think uh, people who've not seen it in the flesh, as it were, or in in the in the carbon, um, don't realise mm. quite quite what a I'm, I I think the modern word is thick machine. This is. I mean, uh, you, you've you've got those you've got those obviously massive tyres, um, and maybe maybe you can tell me in a moment how big exactly they are. But uh, also, I mean, how how big is this car compared to say uh, your regular um, STCR car? You race in the Scandinavian TCR series. I mean, if you would take the whole size and height and width and everything, I would say, I don't know, twice as big maybe. I mean, it's it's really, it, it's wider, uh, it's longer, and it's also um, higher, of course. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's, it's much bigger, and that's why I was so surprised, like I said, when I jumped into the car, that I still had this feeling of being one with the car, because that's what I'm always striving after when I'm driving on the racetracks, to really have the feeling that I am one with the car. And that's why it was so amazing to also get that feeling with the Extreme E-car, even after just half a day. And um, wh why would you imagine that is? Is it because of the instant torque? Is it because of the responsiveness of the handling or a combination thereof? I would say the combination of it. And also what I really like about the electrical vehicle is that you can really control the car and also turn the car when using the, the throttle. Because in the end, when you're going full on throttle or when you're going just slightly on throttle when you get this instant torque that's also what I'm what I'm speaking about especially when driving on the ice because that's how you are or when I've been driving on the ice I'm really trying to control the car also with braking and acceleration and that's super easy now with the electrical car because sometimes when you're driving on the ice and when you don't have that grip like you would have for example on tarmac you're missing that power from the first instant when you go on the acceleration. But when you have the electrical car, you get the full power straight away. And therefore, once you get how to handle the car with the acceleration, it's, it's easy to handle. 
Now, um, you, you mentioned you're an experienced ice driver. Um, so um, maybe we can um, drill back into that a little bit and maybe you can tell me. So um, obviously Sweden is a country largely covered in ice for, for much of the year. <laughs> uh, but um, what, what kinds of ice racing series are there to take part in for a young driver? And what did you personally take part in? Oh, actually, it wasn't ice like racing. It was more actually taking just normal vehicles driving on the ice. And that is something that a lot of us do. So I was really lucky that my parents, they were working by Audi driving experience and doing these winter events. Yeah, pretty much all of the winter. And therefore, I could use then the um, the cars that they were uh, driving and using in this driving experience to drive on the ice. So four-wheel drive, which also is the extreme e-car four-wheel drive. And however, then in Sweden, a lot of people simply go out to the ice, to the ice tracks and drive their normal street car. What was the first car that you, uh, shall we say, drove properly, uh, drove with aggression on the ice? Mm, I think it was an Audi A6. And if I don't remember wrong, I think I was sitting on pillows in the driver's seat because I was 10 years old. <laughs> so I couldn't see if I wasn't sitting on pillows and I couldn't reach the pedals. So yeah, at the age by 10, that was the first time in the Audi A6. Age 10 in the Audi A6. It's not a bad car yeah. to start in. Um, I could go through my terrible car history, but I didn't start with an Audi A6, put it that way. I, I was really lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And um, did, did, you, did you then think about maybe taking part in the Andros Trophy? Now that's all electric as well. Yeah, I've seen that and I would really love to take part of it uh, one time, maybe next winter, who knows. Uh, but that would be really fun because I can say when when I did some rallycross back in 2014, I thought it was really fun. However, I saw that it was hard for me at that moment to combine both track racing and rallycross. So in the end then, uh, for later on, I decided to go with, with uh, circuit racing. But uh, that's what I'm also feeling now with the Extreme E, uh, that I, I mean, I love every winter to drive on the ice. I love drifting. I love working with the car with the load change, like I said, controlling the car with the throttle. So I, I just can't wait to get back into the Extreme E car and continue the testing. Yeah, and um, if we talk about the throttle control for a minute, um, obviously mm -hmm. when when you when you're driving a rally car normally, um, uh, th there there are certain driving dynamics you expect, and uh, you, you know in in terms of how the car moves in the corner, in terms of like yeah. uh, w when it will opposite lock when you have to control it. Um, are there are there similar dynamic feels in an extreme e car, or because of its electric nature, is it slightly different perhaps? I would say, I mean, what I can compare then is, of course, my rallycross experience that I have then to the to the Extreme E-Car. I think what is really worth speaking about when it comes to the Extreme E-Car is that it's more built like a off-road buggy than it is as a rallycross car. Because in the end, you have um, different suspension, for example, in the front than you would have compared to a rallycross car, um, making it able to... I mean, driving off-road, in the end, we are not going to drive on circuits with these cars. It's going to be off-road. So I would say that the car is more behaving when it comes. It has a huge pitch. It has a travel of, I think, 450 millimeters. So it has a huge travel when speaking about that. So therefore, it's acting more like a buggy in that sense uh, than it is as a rallycross car. 
And also what is special is this instant acceleration. When you go fully on power or when you go on power that you get the power straight away. And I think it's easier to handle drifting when you have that power available. Uh, watching the video of Ken Block driving it in the uh, Dakar Rally final stage, uh, he, he talked about his joy when he saw there was there was a handbrake in the car. But bearing in mind <laughs> electric cars don't have handbrakes, this is something that's been included specifically for use with handbrake turns, isn't it? Um, how, how much like a usual handbrake in a rallycross car or indeed an off-road buggy actually is that? And does it work in exactly the same way? Um, I'm going to be honest, I haven't actually tried it with the handbrake because uh, when I was driving the car, it wasn't there. So I haven't tried it yet, unfortunately. Okay. And um, how how invested personally have you been in the sort of uh, development of electric vehicles and electric racers? Um, so um, do, do you have an electric road car? Um, and also, you know, um, to, to you... Um, is it now as exciting to drive an electric vehicle quickly as it was to drive um, an internal combustion vehicle quickly? Oh, I would say it's even more interesting now. Uh, when I was sitting in the at PWR001 for the first time, I was just, I didn't know what to say. I was speechless, really, because I was just so amazed by the acceleration. But also something that people tend to speak about is also the the, the weight of the car, because it's so low now, because of the battery, the weight of the car is so low, so it almost feels like driving a Formula car, but I'm sitting in a touring car, and it's just an amazing feeling driving it. Um, however, from my side, I actually drove a full electric uh, scooter when I was 15 years old, so it mm. started already back then with interest. Um, at the moment, I'm not driving an electric uh, car personally, however, I'm hoping to do that very soon, so stay tuned. Um, but I have this, um, uh, oh, what's that, e-bike e uh, that is fully electric. I mean, I was looking into it more honestly from an environmental aspect when I was driving the scooter when I was 15 years old. And I think also that's why I find all these projects so interesting because in the end, I love driving cars. I mean, I think it's amazing. I love driving fast. I love having that feeling when you are one with the car on the racetrack or yeah, now off-road. Um, and then when these projects came up with ETCR and with Extreme E, I felt that this was an opportunity for me to combine what I love to drive cars fast uh, with also something that is a good message because even though combustion engines like you say that's also been developed then on the track and then bringing that development to the road however to to save the world we all have to go over to this new technology with the electrical driven cars and once again then developing the electrical vehicles on the racetrack and take them to the road. Uh, if we talk about the environmental side, uh, the, the thing that I loved about Formula E to begin with uh, and about electric vehicles generally is that um, I, I've always loved cars and motorsport in particular, but um, a, a little bit like, uh, you know, eating a hamburger, you know, you've, you've actually got to hurt someone or something to have that pleasure. Whereas, mm. you know, it, it seems like with with electric vehicles, um, you 
you can actually have what you enjoy without hurting anyone, which is obviously great. Yeah. Um, so, so when we get to Extreme E, obviously the series is going to be going to Greenland. It's going to be going to uh, um, the Himalayas as well and uh, v- yeah. various other dream locations, um, the coast of Senegal as well. Um, probably I'm expecting you to say uh, the drivers haven't been announced yet and I don't know, but uh, you, you must be thinking ahead to Extreme E in 2021 and thinking, having helped to develop the car with Continental, um, you've got a fairly good chance of being uh, one one of the drivers picked for one of the teams, surely? Well, I'm, I'm really hoping that that's the case because I, like I said, I... I got so happy when I got the, the question from Continental to join, uh, also then to be part of the Extreme E-Drivers program. So I really hope that I can be a driver because I love the driving, I love the car, I love the concept that Extreme E has. It's not only just go to a place, drive, go away. It has their legacy program. Uh, we're going to have the professors uh, to with us to every every location. So therefore, I like the whole project and I would be really happy if I could be one of the drivers for next year. But in the end, that's going to be up to the teams. Um, but of course, driving the car, testing it, it's been me, Ken Block, like you said, uh, maybe two to three more drivers, but not more drivers than that. And still, we were planning to do some testing now in these days also, because there, there are some technologies from Continental that we are going to put into the tire. However, we need to test them. Now, because of Corona, we, we can't test, but hopefully as soon as this is over, we're going to do some more testing than before actually all uh, the cars are being handed out to the teams. Yeah, and also, um, I, I was looking back through your career record. You, you're a race winner. You uh, won the first race of the 20, 2019 season in uh, STCR with uh, PWR Racing. And, um, yeah, that's right. Uh, and and you got five podiums that season as well. So um, a pretty great season by anyone's standards. But uh, uh, that must put you in a, a again a fairly decent position. I would have thought when it when it comes to getting drives like this. Um, have um, have have any teams spoken to you yet? Uh, have you have you had any calls from Ganassi, for example, or Andretti, or any of the new boys? <laughs> I'm not sure actually what I can say so I'm just going to say that uh, I'm sorry I can't answer that question at the moment <laughs> <laughs> Good for you well um, I, I would have thought it puts you in good stead anyway Extreme E's brought in this rule that every team has to have one man and one woman in the car um, how much does that uh, how much does that send out a message about diversity in the series and how much of a positive thing is it for the series do you think? I think it's really positive because, I mean, like we were saying before, uh, electric racing vehicles is the future and also gender equality is, is what we need now. In the end, we all know that female racing drivers can be as good as male racing drivers. But I often say that I believe it's about getting the chance, getting the, the support and getting also the trust to become the fastest driver because in the end... Um, you need to have a good team that believes in you and, and is really working for you to to win. Because if you don't have the best team, if you don't have the best car, if you don't have the really hardworking team around you, you won't be able to win. And I mean, looking at world champ- rally champions uh, winners like Sebastian Loeb and Sebastian Augier, they weren't the fastest drivers from the beginning, but they had someone that believed in them. And that's what I'm seeing now and thinking now about the Extreme E. It really creates a platform where female drivers will be able to 
compete and to become the fastest drivers because you need you need to get the chance and the support to be that uh, if you are just in i mean looking now me like you said winning the first race of the season last year um that that wouldn't have been possible if my team didn't believe in me and having this type of platform then with extreme e is going to create that all teams are going to work and do their best for their both drivers to become the fastest drivers um, yeah, and um, another driver who confirmed that uh, she was um, cut going on to the list of uh, in interested drivers uh, that mm -hmm. teams can pick from. So um, just to explain to the audience uh, that there, there is a list of drivers for Extreme E, but uh, teams are not obliged to pick from that list. But it's a list of drivers who, if they're asked, would, would like a drive, essentially, isn't it? So um, Simona de Silvestro uh, put her name on that list. Now, um, she, she's another driver who has done an awful lot of different categories. She's uh, She's been involved in IndyCar. She's done... Uh, um, uh, She's done Australian supercars. Um, have, have you spoken to Simona? And I haven't spoken to her, unfortunately. But like you say, she's been in so many different series. And I think that is that is a great thing to have experience from different series, from different cars. And I would really love to meet her in the future. And I mean, who knows? Hopefully we're going to race against each other next year. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, and you, you mentioned Ken Block earlier as well. Now, um, I think he's probably the rally driver or rally cross driver most people would be able to name uh just mm -hmm. because because of his uh his uh incredible viral videos many years ago with subaru and ford but um uh have you had a chance to speak to him and to uh to take part in tests with him and uh well unfortunately i wasn't able to be a part of the dakar and um, so unfortunately i haven't met him but also there, really hope to meet him in the future and actually speak about the car because that was a really good thing when we did testing in France. Then for half of a day, Kevin Hansen and Timmy Hansen were also part of the testing. And I mean, I know these guys since earlier because we are all part of the national team of Sweden. And when I was racing rallycross, they were also racing rallycross, so we know each other. But what I found was great that day was that we were really helping each other to understand, okay, how is this car working? How are we going to work with it to drive it as fast as possible? And we really had a good cooperation. And I also think that is one of the things that is going to be brought to Extreme E with the equality program, that it's going to create also great teamwork between male and female racing drivers. Of, of the drivers that, that you can see on the list right now, um, which one are you most excited about potentially facing off against? Oh, I mean, uh, of course, if uh, Sebastian Ogier is going to be part of uh, Extreme for next year, that would be that would be really cool to race against him. But I do believe in the end, once you are in the car, you shouldn't focus on if there is a world champion there. Or I mean, Timmy Hansen is also a part of the list, also being a world champion. So in the end, I think it will be more than driving the car, trying to do it as quick as possible and actually try to not think about that you are racing against world champions. Because um, in the end, this is a completely new form of motorsport. And of course, the, the off-road drivers and Dakar drivers, they would have more similar experience to what Extreme E is going to be. But in the end, it's also going to be so many different surfaces. Uh, so therefore... This is going to be something completely new for all of us. We will all have to 
to learn and develop through all the races. I believe you're um, keeping sharp by sim racing at the moment. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying. Stay tuned on my on my channels and uh, see what's going to happen about my sim racing. So your your channels, I, I guess you're on Twitch, like most of the drivers. Uh, I will be very soon. Wait a few uh, few more days, and then I will be there as well. Right. Um, you, you see, I'm I'm. I'm I'm from the generation that looks at what George and Lando and Charles Leclerc are doing and thinks, mm. how can you drive so quickly on a computer, admittedly, while also talking to the people on chat? Uh, I I, th I think it's one of the skills that you know the the really top sim racers uh, seem to be able to master. But I mean, if if I'm driving a car, I can't talk to someone while I'm doing it. I need to focus <laughs> on the road. Um, how how do you talk while driving and still be so quick? Um, I'm actually going to say that I'm more like you there. I prefer not to talk. I did actually a thing for Red Bull Sweden now, driving the sim and then answering questions that came came on via the live streaming. And that was really hard. So um, I don't know. I guess practice, practice, practice. If you do want to talk while driving, I'm told Euro Truck Simulator is a much better option for that. Um, have, you, um, have, you, have you ever played... Sorry, what did you say? Have, have you ever played Euro Truck Simulator? Truck simulator? No, yeah, I haven't. so um, th this is the latest sensation. You have to take packages in the back of your articulated truck across Europe, and that's the aim of the game. So, oh, so I, interesting. I'm, th I'm thinking if you do want to talk while driving, that might be a better option than you know a <laughs> racing simulator. I think so as well. I'm going to have a look on that. <laughs> okay. All right. But um, if, if you do make an eight-hour Euro truck simulator Twitch, I will watch that. <laughs> Okay, stay tuned. I think also there it creates a platform now for for people that haven't had haven't had the economic uh, possibility to drive on the real tracks to show that they are also good drivers. Of course, in the end, it's not exactly like driving in real life, but it is it is really close. And especially if you come to gaming platforms that are good, if you have a simulator that is also really good, you come you come quite close to to the real driving. Um, so and also what I really hope is that more female drivers and females are going to start with eSport and, and try out the sport because I feel sometimes that that girls or younger girls that they are thinking that no that's not a sport for me or I can't try it out and that they need that they need uh, how do you say awareness of that it's possible for them to do it so that's what I'm hoping now with the with the sim racing that it's going to create awareness that, of course, we can also race sim racing as, as girls. And maybe that will bring more younger girls to start with the sim racing. And who knows? Maybe that will take them out to the real track also. And we don't want that. So I think we pretty much got scared of what was happening in the other countries. And therefore, we, we followed the restrictions that we got. Right. And um, what, what what kinds of workouts does a racing driver have to have to focus on these days? I mean, of course, back back in the day, you know, um, it, it used to be about building up the upper body and building up the neck. Is it still the mm. same thing or are there more specific things that drivers do these days? I have a personal trainer at my gym. And, and like I said, I've been really lucky to still be able to go to my gym. So he sets up a, a personal schedule for me uh, thinking of, of the challenges that I will get both in the touring car, but then also hopefully uh, in the upcoming Extreme E also for next year. So I'm lucky to to have him there and to 
still be able to have talks with him and uh, and that he's yeah pushing me to to continue with my workouts um i would say from from my side it's a lot about core and neck as well however for touring car and for the extreme me it's not like driving a formula car so um i also work because the the coach and the gym where i'm going at is actually a crossfit gym and what i find really good there is that you do different type of exercises you get a really high pulse but then also we're trying to combine the exercises with some kind of coordination um, exercise which I find is really good because in the end we did a huge study when I did some testing days I was wearing a pulse watch I was looking at okay how is my pulse while driving how is it if I make a mistake for example break too late and really try to evaluate after each race weekend okay how am I feeling where do I have sore muscles and then we try to work on these points and we realize realize that I have to be so strong and I have to have such a good endurance that while I'm driving I shouldn't actually get tired because when you get tired that's when you're not 100% focused that's when you make mistakes and if you do mistakes while driving then you won't definitely won't be able to win so um, we've really been focusing on making me in general stronger but also getting a much better endurance and is Extreme more of a, more of a fitness challenge to any driver than, for example, uh, STCR or maybe a Formula Series just just because of the surface and because of the cars you're driving? I would think so. Yeah, uh, it's not going to be long driving distances that we are going to do, but in the end, like you say, it's going to be tough driving distances. So I think that one is going to be also, of course, about keeping the focus, but also to to have a strong body so that you can. So you can take the impacts that will be when driving up in the Himalayas, for example. Um, if if you hypothetically are picked for a team, which I, I obviously hope that you that you will be, um, uh, you, you're you're going to be on a boat with uh, the drivers and crews for well the, the best part of a of a season, as I understand. Um, and I, I think uh, any media that follows the series will be on that boat as well. Um, how, how different is that going to feel for a driver compared to being able to go home for off weekends, that kind of thing? It's it's going to be quite a quite a challenging experience if you're uh, claustrophobic or if you need your own space. Um, actually, I am not sure how if if that is going to be the case um, with the traveling and if everybody's going to be on the boat the whole time. So I'm not sure of that. I think that is uh, something that Extreme E can come closer to. But of course, in the end, um, we are all going to be at some point on that boat and doing the traveling. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's uh, like a like a huge family. Hopefully that's going to be the feeling that we're all like a huge family traveling on the boat together with uh, with each other. Um, luckily enough, I'm not claustrophobic, so I think I could handle that. And obviously it goes without saying a racing driver can travel to many more places than, you know, most people can in their normal day jobs. But mm. is is there an extreme e venue that you're particularly looking forward to potentially traveling to? Well, I would say of all of them, like you say, it's really fantastic places to be able to go there. But I would say from my side, Greenland with the glacier, that uh, that would be a destination that would be really, really interesting to go to also because... Growing up, like you say, we have ice tracks all over Sweden. 
However, we aren't, we are not going to race there on, on ice and snow because in there the glacier is melting, so it's going to be on sand. But I also think, therefore, it's going to be really interesting to go there and to see what is happening because we see pictures uh, on media, we see pictures on TV about what is happening with the climate changes. But to get there and to see it with my own eyes, I think that is going to be terrifying but also also interesting and also maybe um, or hopefully it's going to raise awareness and that I can bring these, this knowledge out to, to my fans and to the people watching this series and for them also then to understand that each, each decision we make uh, will have impact on the world so we can all together change the world and and work against these climate changes. We all just have to take our responsibility for it. Hmm. Um, I, I want to uh, sw swing away in the last few minutes and talk about uh, some some other things that, uh, that that you're interested in to sort of take your mind off the track. Um, mm -hmm. are, are there are there any activities that you've had time to learn during the quarantine period, or that maybe you've had time to kind of spend time on and improve, maybe? Well, I can actually say, and I'm quite embarrassed to say this, but I am really not a good chef. I'm really not good in the kitchen. Um, so now living together with my boyfriend, he's quite good at, at making food. So he's been teaching me. And I mean, I would say now that when I do dinner, sometimes it's, I wouldn't say 10 because that's too many points for me, but it's it's coming up to maybe six or seven nowadays doing the dinner before it was maybe a sometimes a three, two, so not so good. So I'm getting better with the, yeah, making dinner and so. I really like salmon. Um, so the Norwegian, that's more Norwegian style, but really salmon, I think that's really great and also really good for your, um, for your brain to get that type of, uh, to eat fish and also salmon because it has a, a lot of good, um, contains a lot of good, uh, not only vitamins, but I think the fat in the sal uh, salmon is really good for your brain somehow. Someone told me that. Hopefully that's right. So salmon, I really like. Uh, do that in the oven. A lot of people do it too warm, but you should have it only about 50 minutes on 170 degrees. And then it's perfectly done. Uh, so do that you, I would say. Do you wrap it up in baking foil as well? Um, if I put it on the grill, I do that. But okay. if I just do it in the oven, I do that with a little bit of butter and lemon. Really nice. Right. That, that sound, sounds excellent to me. Uh, and um, it, it's, it's interesting as well that uh, unlike, say, Lewis Hamilton and many other drivers, uh, you've not made the decision to go vegan. Um, I would say that I rarely eat meat nowadays. It's mainly, it's mainly chicken and fish, actually. Some days I eat full vegan as well, uh, or vegetarian, so I try to eat a lot of beans as well. Um, so meat, I yeah, I don't eat that so often. Watching um, the Netflix series that Lewis were, was a part of, or I can't remember the name now, the one with the other athletes going, oh. like you said, vegan. Well, anyway, so watching that one, I was also thinking about it, but now in the end I'm also... And that's also a good thing with my coach that we are now looking into what I'm eating, what I should be eating before a race, uh, under a race and so on. So I'm thankful also for that help to, to also, because 
the food has also a huge impact on your on your focus and on your performance while driving. Uh, Nico Rosberg was one of the first drivers to talk about actually having mental coaching and uh, mm. he, he said he spent two hours a day uh, with his coach during the uh, final season for him in 2016. Um, mm. How much time do you spend with your coach and um, are, are they sit down sessions or do you go for a walk with the coach and talk or how do you do them? Um, I would say that I speak to my coach when it's off season, it's maybe two to three months, uh, two, two to three um, times a month. And when it's during season, I speak before each race weekend and after each race weekend. And if it's possible for us to meet personally, we do that, then it's more of a sit down. And if it's not possible for us, we either take just a normal phone call or Skype call. And I would say that this is also a huge part of of uh, my racing career, but also my personal life. And that's what I, I mean, in the end, personal coaching when it comes to working out or per- personal coaching when it comes to mental training is, is personal, just like it says. So in the end, you have to find your way and the way that works best for you. And I feel now my cooperation with, with Lennart, that's his name, I started to work with him in 2017 and it has made a huge change in my life because his philosophy is really if you feel well in your personal life you will also feel well on the racing track so these things go hand in hand um, of course um, we are also working on on um, ways for me to really take out everything that is happening in my life and really just focus on the racing weekend when there is a racing weekend but we're also working on me to feel comfortable with myself as a person, happy with myself as a person, happy with the environment and working on a lot of techniques, how to handle things that happen in, in normal and in the racing life. Because th- this is something that I've been um, amazed that racing drivers can do so well. Um, I've, I've, for example, known that drivers are... Um, not to choose any particular example because I'm not being specific here, but like there are drivers Mm. who have been under threat of losing their contract or have been kind of, there's been speculation around whether the team will drop them for the next race. And yet when you interview them, they say, uh, no, I'm, I'm just focused on the race. And you can tell that they're being genuine about that. Um, Now Mm. speaking as an, speaking as a non-racing driver, I don't know how they do that, but I guess that's down to coaching and down to kind of good support from people who know how, isn't it? I would really say that, like, for example, I've been working with a technique. It's just meditation, honestly. I do a 10-minute breathing exercise two times a day, just sitting down and try to breathe in through my nose, out through my mouth, and do this for 10 minutes and try to not think of anything. It sounds, it really sounds like an easy, easy task, but once you do it, it's, it's tough, actually, to just focus on your breathing and without any other thoughts just coming into your mind so it's an exercise trying to really block out all the thoughts and thinking okay thank you for this thought but I'm going to deal with this thought later so that's one way of, of trying to find a way to block thoughts and just be in the moment and then also my coaches taught me something it's called God's business your business and my business and for example, then God's business would be this thing with a contract. It's not going to be a decision that you will take. So the only thing I can focus on is my business and what I can do. And therefore, when thoughts like, 
is it going to rain today or is it not going to rain today or am I going to lose the contract or not? In the end, those are decisions that I can't rule over. So therefore, I would just have to think that that is then, yeah, someone else's decision or God's decision or business. And I can just focus on what I can change and my business. Well, um, it, it's been fascinating. And um, so um, I, I'm now eating into your personal time, so I will let you go. But thank you. Ah. And um, uh, one more thing as well. If you if you mm-hmm. do stream on Twitch and you want to uh, get away from the cars occasionally, I've heard Goat Simulator is quite funny as well. Goat Simulator? <laughs> it, it is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, you, you operate a goat and you have to cause havoc. Oh my god, I've learned so many new things from you today, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> the truck simulator and the goat simulator. <laughs> I will have well, a look at this one as well. Ha- happy to help anyway, but uh, Michaela, yeah. it's been a real pleasure and I uh, hope you uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And, yeah, um, thank you, you too. Thank you so much. Thanks for letting me be a part of your podcast. Thank you for listening to the eTalking podcast. We have two further Extreme E interviews coming up in the next uh, few days. And then following that, we will have plenty of content, including an interview with one of the top drivers in the title race before the restart of racing for Formula E when they head off to Tempelhof Airport in Berlin for the six races over three race meetings happening there. So stay tuned for that. And please, if you haven't already, feel free to subscribe to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio. Uh, I'm also restarting the Patreon for Motion E in August, so if you're interested in uh, taking this relationship to the next level and subscribing for additional content, including the full audio from these podcast interviews before they hit the podcast platforms, then please again feel free to head over to Patreon and search for Motion E. Thank you very much for listening and bye for now.